Welcome to Change by Attraction, a podcast about changing in an agile manner. I'm your host, Esther Derby. In most of my episodes, I talk about how to get things to change. But suppose you're successful, you change something. Now what? People are going to respond. If the change is small, their reactions may be equally small. Maybe even not noticeable, especially if people don't experience the change as a loss or as something exciting. But sooner or later, there's going to be a change that comes with big disruption and big response. Most likely, this won't be one of your experiments. But maybe senior management will mandate a reorg or cancel a product or sell off a division. Big change. Maybe something will change in the environment that will really shake things up. Then it's useful to understand how people move through change so that you can recognize what's happening for yourself and for the people around you. When you recognize the process, you can support people to move through it. So let's look at what happened across the world in early 2020. This is a useful example because it is on some level a shared experience. People all over the world had the same shock. And while there's differences about the impact and the response, there's a lot of commonality in the experience. And there's a lot of commonality in how people and organizations move through change. I'm going to share with you a little bit about what it was like for me. And then I'm going to generalize. So in February 2020, I had three quarters of my year blocked out with workshops, consulting work, and conferences. Things were looking great. On March 13, 2020, I flew home from a workshop in Oregon. Two weeks after that, the governor of my state issued a stay-at-home order. And by late spring, all of my face-to-face work for the year was canceled. I didn't know what to do. It wasn't like I could just work from home. You can't run a week-long experiential workshop. You can't just plop it on a mural board and set it up on Zoom, though some people have tried it. I had good days. I had bad days. I had days when I felt like I could figure a way to move forward and days when I just didn't see a way. Some days I could focus and other days my mind just skittered in a dozen directions. I found stuff to do. I helped a group of senior citizens learn how to use Zoom. I did some workshops on remote facilitation for people in my local area. But that was about needing to feel useful and having something to focus on. It really wasn't about finding my way. I mean, there were times when I just looked at my retirement accounts. Then a friend introduced me to an instructional designer who specializes in online courses. And I learned some super useful stuff, which helped me see how I could create online courses that had an experiential element. And I launched a course based on my book, Seven Rules for Positive Productive Change, which is also the inspiration for this podcast. When the restrictions eased a bit, I figured out how to have some semblance of an outdoor social life with my bubble mates. No longer had lunch dates, I had walking dates. I figured out how to make work and life work again. And I'm back on an even keel for now until the next big change. So let's unpack my experience in terms of Virginia Satir's change model. 
Prior to March 2020, I was in a sort of status quo. My life had a rhythm, and even though I traveled to different places, I had a routine. It was comfortable, and I was comfortable. The pandemic and the stay-at-home order changed everything. Now, Virginia would call an event like this a foreign element, something that is not part of the status quo that must be responded to. I dipped into chaos. My ability to focus and get things done varied enormously from day to day. Good days, bad days, helpful days, hopeless days, days where I moved forward, days when I didn't get much done, and my emotions were all over the place. Such is the nature of chaos. Performance tends to be erratic and emotions get amplified. Meeting with the instructional designer gave me a transforming idea, an idea that allowed me to try a bunch of things. But I saw a way forward. I had false starts, but I was climbing out of chaos. Virginia Satir called this process practice and integration. Now I'm in a new status quo. Things are working again. It's different than it was before, but it's comfortable again. So this is the process people go through. There's a status quo that gets disrupted by a foreign element, which leads to chaos. A transforming idea enables people to work creatively with the new situation. They practice, they integrate new ideas, and eventually they reach a new status quo. It doesn't have to be a pandemic that causes this. It can be a cross-country move, the arrival of a new baby, a new job, a new boss, a new person on the team. And since they're made up of people, you can see this same process in organization. When there's a reorg or a mandate that everyone will be agile or some big change, people go through the same process individually and as a group. Individuals may move through the process at different rates, but the organizational response will reflect where the critical mass of people are. You probably recognize a lot of this, and it can look super messy, especially the chaos part. Now, when people have a mechanistic view of change, like you can just install change like screwing in a light bulb, this messiness, which is totally expected, looks really bad. And sometimes managers freak out and try another big change, which keeps things in chaos. You can keep a group or a company in perpetual churn and chaos by layering one large change after another. And I know some companies that do this very, very effectively. So what can you do when you observe people are going through this process? Start with yourself. Stay as calm as you can. Breathe. Oxygenate your brain. You'll think better and your calm may be contagious. This doesn't mean you won't have emotional responses. You will. Be present and sit with your emotions. Just notice what you're feeling. Examine your perceived reasons. Ask yourself if they're grounded in reality and consider alternate interpretations. Verify. Emotions are important information. Don't stuff them. Don't talk yourself out of them. But don't let them hijack you. When your emotions aren't taking over, you'll be better able to think. You may have to do this more than once. Then support others. Expect them to have high emotions too, and don't try to talk them out of it. It won't work. You don't have to agree with the perceived reasons. 
just acknowledge the emotions as valid. Validate and empathize calmly. That will help other people regain their calm. People crave information in times of change. So tell people what you know and what you don't know. And then tell them when you'll know more. Or tell them that you don't know when you'll know more, but establish a rhythm of updates. Even letting people know there's no new information often helps. It communicates that you haven't forgotten about them and their concerns. And if you've been, ever been stuck waiting for a delayed flight, you know this is true. It will lower your anxiety. It will lower others' anxiety. Validate information. Verify interpretations. Clarify. Ask questions. Paraphrase in your own words and ask for confirmation. Explore boundary conditions, exceptions, and intent. Go beyond yes-no questions. You need more context, and having it will help batten down any sense of fear or anxiety. Pool your information. Ask what other people have heard, but verify. Oh, I heard that too is not verification. Name the source. Look for more than one source to confirm. And be careful about passing on unconfirmed information. If you reduce misinformation, you'll reduce a source of anxiety and needless spreading. So rumors will fill in any gaps. So just acknowledge the rumors, report back with verified information when you can get it, and post it publicly if you can, because this works at two levels. It eliminates some gaps, but it also demonstrates that many rumors have little factual basis. So this dampens the overreaction to unverified information These three actions, verifying and pooling information and nipping rumors in the bud, will help people from getting spun up. They'll think more clearly, and it will help them be ready for that transforming idea when it comes along. Remember your resources. You have access to courage, to curiosity, to empathy. You have the ability to find data and reason about it. You can learn and you can choose. All these will help you be more resilient and may connect you to a transforming idea. Once the initial jolt is over, try to insert some new ideas that will help people move into practice and integration. But not too many ideas, or people will get overwhelmed, they won't be able to focus, and back into chaos you go. So when people get their feet back under them, If you can, wait before introducing another change. You can't always control these things, but be aware that piling change on top of change on top of change is just going to create more chaos in the system. We've all been through a big experience of change this year, and we can learn from it. We can learn how to support ourselves and others and our organizations. So breathe. Be kind to others, be kind to yourself, especially during times of change. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe at changebyattraction.simplecast.com. And if you rate it on iTunes, it will help other people find it. Thanks for listening. 